Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 122. Shalom, I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and welcome to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is podcast episode 122, and a part nine analysis of Yeshua's last Passover week timeline of events leading to his crucifixion and his third day resurrection. Now, once again, I am recommending that you navigate over to my website and download any of the free resource documents that are available, which address a chronology calendar of events that I call Exhibits A and B. With these documents, you can follow along with my talk for today's study. The address to navigate to is cominghome.co.il, then simply forward slash general hyphen five, or just follow the menu prompt, which takes you over to the same location. Now, in my previous analysis from podcast episode 121 and program series part eight, I walked you through event numbers one through three of the 27 events that I identified as part of the actions showing the last week of Yeshua's earthly ministry in his fifth day of the week crucifixion, or what we would refer to as a Thursday, and also his seventh day resurrection. Now, Yeshua referred to this event, that is, his resurrection, as three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, from the previous program series, we learned the following points, if you'd like to follow along with me. First, we learned that Exodus 12, verse 2, is always a reference to the biblical New Year's Day. And we learned that New Year's Day, according to Exodus chapter 12, always falls midweek on what we would call a Wednesday. That is the fourth day of seven days in a week. Continuing on, we then learned from John or Yohanan chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 in the Brich Hadashah, that is the New Testament, Yeshua came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, and joined the family for dinner on a Wednesday late afternoon. Then, after their midweek late afternoon dinner, we must count six days. That is, we don't count that Wednesday late afternoon dinner as day one. We go to the next day and we start counting, which is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Therefore, the six-day count brings us to Tuesday, the third day of the week. Then it was time to observe the biblical Passover according to the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 12. Now, keep in mind that long after Moses, during the second temple period, 
The festivals of Passover and Unleavened Bread were known as two different celebrations. Those two festivals had maintained their separate and unique status for many centuries and had not even become merged into one large inclusive festival of eight days until much later on in Jewish history. Late during the Second Temple period, it was decided upon by the religious Jews of the day to change the start of a day from its biblical sunrise to sunrise reckoning, and thus the start of a new day was moved to the Pharisaic sunset to sunset reckoning system. When that happened, the seven-day festival of unleavened bread and the one-evening feast of Passover lost their unique separations and their unique important meanings. In other words, a merging of both festivals into one full eight-day celebration was simply called Passover. Hence, in Luke 22.1, we read, quote, The Feast of Unleavened Bread Drew Near which is called Passover. In other words, Luke was referencing the story from the perspective of the religious tradition of the Judean Pharisees. It was well known at the time, and it was the Judean Pharisees who boldly merged the two festivals into one large, all-encompassing eight-day festival, and that is understood in the same way to this very day. Continuing on, according to John 12, verse 1, we read six days before the biblical Passover of Exodus chapter 12, there was a dinner held in Bethany to honor Yeshua. Joining him at that dinner, his disciples, Eleazar or Lazarus, Miriam, and Marta. They all ate supper together with the family of Shimon of Bethany. The next morning, on what we would call Thursday, that is the fifth day of the week, after their dinner of late Wednesday afternoon, Yeshua sent his disciples into the village of Beit Bagay, meaning the house of unripe figs, and They were sent there to fetch Yeshua, a female colt, in fulfillment of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, and also Isaiah 40, verse 9. That particular day, Thursday, the fifth day of the week, would forever be remembered as Yeshua's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Later, it came to be called in the Catholic Church, Palm Sunday. However, the event did not take place on a Sunday. It was really an event that took place the morning of Thursday, the fifth day of the week, which was one day after the dinner that Yeshua and his disciples had with Shimon and his family. Okay, so let's now continue from that Thursday. The narrative in Mark 11, 12 through 14, tells us clearly 
that it was the next morning. Obviously, that was the sixth day of the week and one day before the weekly Sabbath. While on his way into Jerusalem, Yeshua had briefly stopped on the Mount of Olives and wept over Jerusalem. Again, the narrative in Mark 11, 12 through 14 clearly tells us this. It says, Now the following day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. As he came nearer to the city, he noticed a fig tree with leaves but no fruit, for it was not the season for fruit. So Yeshua then said to that fig tree, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard him say this, but nothing more is told of this matter, not until the next morning. So that early morning event of Friday, the sixth day of the week, when Yeshua pronounced those words against the fig tree, it was that early morning event that was likely supposed to remind us of the rabbinic story of what happened to Adam and Eve on the morning of the sixth day of the week. That is, again, one day before the weekly Sabbath. Now, this is important because the rabbinic tradition of those days, the days of Yeshua, it tells us that both Adam and Eve fell from their state of created perfection on that very same day, meaning the sixth day of the week or what we would call a Friday, just one day before the arrival of the weekly Sabbath. And for this, you can read about it in The Legends of the Jews by Lewis Ginsburg, which was published in 1909. Keep in mind that after Adam and Eve fell from their perfection, they could no longer produce the good fruit of biblical righteousness through the Spirit of life. So Adam and his woman or wife came to be immediately corrupted when they ate from the fatal fruit of that fig tree, representing the law of sin and death, as Paul spoke of it much later on. Yeshua's words spoken to the fig tree on that early Friday morning when he said, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That is a very telling statement. You see, it was not the season for fruit, meaning the world was still in a deep state of Adam's downline corruption. And Yeshua was speaking words of resurrection hope. This was an incredible declaration of biblical truth. And in the future, that corrupted fruit would simply not be there any longer, meaning the whole story would change after Yeshua's completed work of redemption through his death and third-day resurrection. In short, what we have come to learn is that Yeshua's words against the fig tree are supposed to remind us of Genesis 3, verse 7. Quote, then the eyes of both of them, referring to Adam and his woman or wife, they were opened, and 
they knew that they were naked, or from Hebrew, they were exposed, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Here in the Hebrew of Genesis 3-7, the word is hagarot. Hagarot in Hebrew means belts. Adam and Eve wrapped themselves up in belts of fig leaves only. Again, this story was linked by the ancient rabbinic teachers to what we would call a Friday, the sixth day of the week, which was the day before the weekly Sabbath. I think this is why Yeshua chose that Friday morning as the day to speak his words to that fig tree. It was indeed a great story of metaphor that all the people would have come to fully understand as he taught the people what he was about to accomplish in the coming week. Let us now pick up where we left off previously and continue with event numbers four through six in that last Passover week before Yeshua's crucifixion and his third day resurrection. This is event number four. Let's now read from two narratives and connect the dots, so to speak. Mark 11, 20 through 21, and Luke 21, 37. First, Mark 11, 20 through 21. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, or Kepha, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look! The fig tree which you wasted has withered away. Now let's go to Luke 21, 37. And in the days, but also the nights, he was teaching in the temple. And going out, he was spending the night on the hill called Olivet, understood from the Greek. The storyline timestamp declares from Mark 11:20 20 through 21. Now, in the morning, it means this day follows the previous day. So, this timestamp is showing us Aviv 10. That is, the sixth day of the week, Friday morning, based on the Sadok 7's solar calendar. So, when Mark 11:20 20 through 21 says... Now, in the morning, it means it is now the 11th day of the Hebrew Chodesh or month of Eve. That is, it's the weekly seventh day Sabbath. But on the official Judean Pharisaic lunar calendar, it is not the 11th day of the Hebrew Chodesh of Eve. No, the date, of course, is a Sabbath but it's the ninth day of Aviv, as shown with the calendar comparisons that I've given you between exhibits A and B. In my thinking, it appears likely that I have the schedule of all the events correct for that week, at least up to this point. You might ask, so why am I so assured about this? 
My answer is actually quite simple. Once again, let's reckon the timing back to the previous fourth day of the week. That is, Wednesday, the eighth day of Aviv, at least according to the Sadok Priesthood Sevens Solar Calendar. Between the previous fourth day of the week, that's Wednesday, the eighth day of Aviv, and the seventh day of the week, meaning Shabbat, Aviv 11, there's four days, and that is inclusive counting. Again, based on the Tzedok Priesthood Sevens Solar Calendar. In other words, Wednesday of Eve 8, Thursday of Eve 9, Friday of Eve 10, and Shabbat, or Saturday, of Eve 11. Here you can see there are four days. Again, inclusive counting. Remember, according to Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, New Year's Day of the first Chodesh in the new year. It always begins on the fourth day of the week. That is, it always begins on what we would call Wednesday. And thus, on that Wednesday, it would be called Aviv 1 on the Tzedok 7 solar calendar. Therefore, the weekly Sabbaths of that first Chodesh must and always will fall on Aviv 4, Aviv 11, Aviv 18, and Aviv 25. Again, the four Sabbaths of that first Chodesh in the new year, based on Exodus 12, will always fall on the 4th of Aviv, the 11th of Aviv, the 18th of Aviv, and the 25th of Aviv, always, without question. Now, if I am not mistaken, then in Yeshua's time, event number four, which is based on John 12, 1 through 3, of the last week leading up to his crucifixion, that event must be linked to Aviv 11. That is the second of the four Sabbaths in that first Chodesh of the new year. In other words, it's 11 days into the new year when Yeshua and his disciples are walking into Jerusalem and the disciples say, Oh, hey, look at that fig tree. You spoke to it yesterday and now all of its leaves are completely withered away. So let's take a look at this with my chart that I call Exhibit B. In the case of the two narratives, the first one in Mark 11, 20 through 21, and Luke 21, 1 through 37, these written narratives precisely appear to follow the pattern. But here's yet another detail to consider. According to the official Judean Pharisaic lunar calendar, as it is shown with my document that I've titled Exhibit A, the Pharisaic Aviv 1 new moon that had to be sighted at sunset on the western horizon of Jerusalem, or what we would call a Thursday evening, 
of the fifth day of the week. Now, if you're having any trouble following me here, just go to Exhibits A and B and download those documents and follow with me. If the so-called horns of the new crescent moon's lighted tips, if they were cited according to Jewish halakha or Jewish law, and there is no reason to doubt that it was not cited that way, then that very Thursday evening, beginning with the setting of the sun on the western horizon of Jerusalem, it would have all happened in what we would call year 27, at least as we might understand the chronology today. Now, if that's the case, year 27 shows us about a two-day discrepancy between the two calendars. If, according to the official Judean Pharisaic lunar calendar reckoning, Aviv 1, or the first day of the first new month in the year, if it did, in fact, fall on the fifth day of the week, Thursday evening at sunset with the testimony of two witnesses, and it continued through the sixth day, that is, Friday daylight until that sunset on Friday, then all of the Pharisaic Judean Sabbaths in that first Chodesh or that first month of their new year, based on Exodus 12, it would have fallen out on the second day of Aviv, the ninth day, the sixteenth day, the twenty-third day, and the thirtieth day. Again, all of their Sabbaths would have been declared as Aviv 2, Aviv 9, Aviv 16, Aviv 23, and Aviv 30. Yeah, there would have been five Sabbaths in that particular year for the Pharisees. And what is very interesting is that event number four from Yeshua's last week leading up to his crucifixion, that was an event that was, in fact, Aviv 9, according to the official Judean Pharisaic reckoning. Yeah, it was Aviv 9. But according to the Tzedok 7's solar calendar reckoning, it was a Sabbath indeed, but not Aviv 9. Rather, for them, that is for the priesthood calendar, it was already the 11th day of Aviv. So there's a two-day discrepancy going on in that particular year, meaning year 27, as we would call it today. Now, if I am correct, as you can follow along from my calendar of events shown on Exhibits A and B, then it was most certainly Yeshua's last weekly Sabbath alive before his crucifixion. On that morning, when his disciples said to him, Hey, what happened to the fig tree? You spoke against it yesterday morning, and now look, all the leaves are withered on it. From that morning, Yeshua was only one week away from his resurrection on the next Shabbat. So on that, his last Sabbath, he would have been 
in the temple precincts, teaching and discussing all the messianic theological prophecies that were coming up in the new week, a week that he was just about ready to dive into and start living it out. Interestingly, on that very morning, that is, on that Sabbath morning, according to Sadok priestly reckoning, which was the 11th day of the Hebrew Chodesh 1 and the 11th day of that Chodesh, it was again the seventh day weekly Sabbath. Right now, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to explain my point in describing all of this and why it is so important to understand it this way. Once again, Shalom, this is Avi Ben Mordechai. Let's continue with the second half of our program, Part 9, in our study of the last week of Yeshua's Passover week chronology, leading up to his fifth day of the week crucifixion and his seventh day of the week resurrection. If, according to the official Judean Pharisaic lunar calendar reckoning, Aviv 1, or the first day of the first new month in the year, if it did in fact fall on the fifth day of the week, Thursday evening at sunset with the testimony of two witnesses, and it continued through the sixth day, that is Friday daylight until that sunset on Friday, then all of the Pharisaic Judean Sabbaths in that first Chodesh or that first month of their new year, based on Exodus 12, it would have fallen out on the second day of Aviv, the ninth day, the 16th day, the 23rd day, and the 30th day. Yeah, there would have been five Sabbaths in that particular year for the Pharisees. According to Sadok priestly time reckoning, it was 11 days into the new year based on Exodus chapter 12. And it was just a few days before the Sadok priestly reckoning date of the Passover. So as the early next morning dawned, that is Shabbat, the seventh day of the week, 11 days into the new year. The weekly Sabbath, event number four, is fulfilled as Yeshua's disciples noticed that the leaves of the tree were now wasted. So this brings out an unmistakable Sabbath teaching on three points. A, point number one, the fig tree and its withered leaves represents Genesis 3-7, and man's noble efforts at self-salvation. But Yeshua brought the Genesis 3-7 lesson home by invalidating man's attempts 
at self-salvation. He showed through the leaves that withered that this represents no fruit and that all of our self-justification efforts amount to a big zero of nothing, of no value. B, point number two, when the fig tree was exposed and withered and it was wasted away with its leaves and therefore could no longer produce fruit, it was a clear shadow image metaphor or lesson about no longer having the fruit of the Spirit and eternal life. It all completely dissolved. It went away. There was no more fruit of the Spirit. Eternal life was completely cut off from Adam and Eve, and now there's nothing but corruption being passed down from Adam and Eve when they were once walking in the garden. And therefore, none of us will enter the kingdom of Elohim or the kingdom of God based on our own noble virtues of fig leaves that we like to use as belts to wrap ourselves into them. But you see, we don't deserve anything in the promised 1,000-year millennial reign of King Messiah. No, we don't. We don't deserve anything because Adam and Eve passed down their corruption to each of us here some 60 centuries later. We're still wallowing in all of that corruption, in all of those wasted fig leaves that we love to wrap ourselves into as though they were belts, just kind of covering us in our noble, virtuous, good works. But in truth, we don't have any good works. We don't have anything that we can come to Jehovah and say, Hey, look at me. Look at how wonderful and deserving I am. I'm a good person. No, you're not. I'm not a good person. You're not a good person. There's not a good person on the planet Earth outside of the redemption that Yeshua has paid for us. Nada. So if I were to say it differently, no one gets into the kingdom of Elohim based on the fig leaves of Genesis 3-7, quote, And they, Adam and Eve, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves hagarot, that is, belts of fig leaves. So this brings me to my third point, C, the weekly Sabbath theme. When Yeshua's disciples noticed what had happened to the fig tree, Theirs was a lesson on the theme of Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant Messiah who came to be wasted and withered on our behalf. So, therefore, John, and I think it's actually not John, but John Mark. Yeah, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. I think that's the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John because his name was John Mark, but we'll save that for another time. Therefore, John Mark wrote down the following account 
as a vivid reminder for all of us. Here is John 7, 23. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me? Yeshua asked, because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Well, what's that telling us? The Sabbath was the day of resurrection. That's why Yeshua had to resurrect on the Sabbath, in order to make a man completely well, healed, or to give him peace, or to give him shalom. So that should tell you that we're using the word peace in English all completely wrong. It shouldn't be peace as in no conflict, but rather peace as in wholeness. In other words, the Sabbath is not about what we are supposed to do for Yehovah or yud Rather, it is what Yehovah, yud has already done for us. It's about what he purchased for us. It's about the work that he accomplished for us. So on that weekly Sabbath, Aviv 11, according to the Tzedok priestly calendar, 11 days into the new year of the first Chodesh, based on Exodus 12, verses 1 and 2, it was now a three-day count in front of the Passover lamb slaughter of that year in Yeshua's day, according to the Tzedok calendar reckoning, when the Passover was slaughtered on the third day of the week, on what we would call a Tuesday mid-afternoon, quote, in between the evenings, which in Hebrew would be ben arbaim. So it seems clear to me that Yeshua was in the temple area all day, five days before his crucifixion and seven days before his resurrection. Yeah, he was in the temple giving a series of emboldened lectures to all that would listen to him. Lectures that also are recorded for us in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 19, chapter 20, and chapter 21. So let's take a brief look at that. Luke 19, 45 through 20, verse 2. Then he, Yeshua, went into the house. That is, he went into the temple. This is on Shabbat. And he began to drive out those who bought and sold in that place, in that temple place. And he was teaching daily in the house or the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything. For all the people were very attentive to hear him. Now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah and all of that prophecy, as he preached all of that truth, the chief priests and the scribes together with the elders 
confronted and spoke to him, saying, quote, Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority? Because that's the whole point. It's an issue of authority. And that is at the core between the Judean Pharisees and the Herodian Sadducees, also linked to the people called the Bothusians, which we'll get to at another point. It's between them and the authority of the priestly Sadoc family line. It's those two categories of people that this concept of authority is relating to. So we refer to all of this as the prophetic end times words of Yeshua, addressing the prophecies in the scroll of Daniel, chapters 7, 9, and 11. Yeshua was there in the house, in the temple, taking every opportunity to speak to the people who wanted to hear what he had to say about the prophecies of the end days, about authority, about the priestly Kohanim from the line of Aaron versus the usurped priestly authority that was found in and among the Herodian and Bethusian Sadducees or Sadducees, along with the Pharisees and their scribes. Yeshua was taking every opportunity to speak to the people, so they were attentive to him. So boldly, he taught them what he wanted them to know. At the end of the day, towards sunset on that Sabbath, the text then tells us that he did not return to Bethany to go back to the home of Shimon, where he had already been staying for many nights previously. So here's what we learned from Luke 21, verse 37. And going out, he was spending the night on the hill, or the mountain, called Olivet. So now this brings us to events 5 and 6, which took place beginning in the early morning hours of the first day of the new week on what we would call a Sunday. That is, at sunrise, Sunday morning. Because up until sunrise, it was still dark. And if it's still dark, that means it was still Sabbath. So now we go to Events 5 and 6, which takes us to the first day of the week, or according to the Sadok Priestly calendar reckoning, it was now the 12th day of the Aviv, that is, 12 days into the new year of the first Chodesh, based on Exodus 12. So let's read Luke 21, 38. Then early in the morning, that's late on the Sabbath, and going into the sunrise of Sunday morning. Early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple or the house to hear him. Based on this narrative, the time stamp indicates that it was the next day, and it was also early in the morning. Therefore, by chronological assumption, I am assuming, quote, then early in the morning, refers to the first day of the new week, or what we would call Sunday, 12 days into the Hebrew month of Eve on the calendar that Yeshua was observing, that is, the Tzedok 
priestly calendar, not the Judean Pharisaic calendar. And it also appears to me that this is about the Hebrew word shachar, shachar, which can translate to the English word early morning, meaning pre-sunrise, not after sunrise. So this is speaking about the teaching activities of Yeshua in the early pre-sunrise or pre-dawn hours of Aviv 12 as it's moving into that Sunday morning, just as the sun is rising over the horizon, according to the Tzedok 7's solar calendar reckoning. According to the official Judean Pharisaic calendar and their reckoning, why, it is the dawning of the day part for Sunday, the 10th day of Aviv. In other words, by Tzedok reckoning, the day called Aviv 12 is just beginning. Whereas according to Pharisaic reckoning, it's only halfway through Aviv 10, beginning with the sunrise on that Sunday morning, beginning in the early morning pre-dawn hours of what we would call Sunday. I think Yeshua came into the house, that is the temple, teaching the people that on that day to understand what was going to take place during the next several days of Yeshua's ministry in the flesh, leading up to his crucifixion on the fifth day of the week, Thursday. So, on the first day of that new week, meaning Sunday, in the pre-dawn hours of that day, Yeshua and his disciples were already walking around in the house or the temple Then toward the end of the day, that is, toward the end of that Sunday late afternoon, this is when I think the Olivet Discourse of Matthew 24 is taking place. But he explains it to his disciples on the Mount of Olives later in the day, as it's recorded for us in Matthew 24, 1 through 2. It reads, Then Yeshua went out and departed from the house or the temple, And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the house or the temple. And Yeshua said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Why, I think he's explaining all of this stuff to them late on a Sunday afternoon on the Mount of Olives. And when Yeshua's disciples heard him speak about Daniel and his end times prophecies all that day, on the first day of the week, what we call Sunday, in the temple precincts, it was not completely clear to them what he was driving at, or so it appears to me. Consequently, we are brought into the loop of some deeper understanding later in the day when they slipped away and returned to the Mount of Olives. So therefore, that's why we read in Matthew 24, 3, Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Well, tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The Gospel of John, or perhaps John Mark, does not communicate all this temple teaching material 
as it was spoken from the Olivet Discourse, because that was just not his focus. Rather, John simply decided to pick up with Yeshua's Passion Week teachings, beginning with the actual night of Passover, on Tuesday night of E14 by Tzedok Priestly Reckoning. Rather, John simply decides to pick up with Yeshua's Passion Week teachings, beginning with the actual night of Passover, which was coming up in just a couple of days in their time frame, which would have been Tuesday night, 14 days into the new year, based on the Tzedok Priestly Reckoning calendar. Thus, the narratives of John begin with many hours of candlelight lessons late into the night on that Tuesday, starting with supper, as it's recorded for us in John chapter 13, verse 1. So all of what was said and done from John 13, 1 through the end of John chapter 17, all of that is to be read as a kind of hyper-focused series of instructions and teachings dedicated to Yeshua's new covenant message of redemption. Again, all of this is happening on that Tuesday night after dark, 14 days into the Hebrew month or Hebrew Chodesh Aviv. That's the real Passover, according to the Torah in Exodus chapter 12, after it gets dark, at least according to Sadok Reckoning. However, for those following the Pharisaic Judean calendar reckoning, Passover was still two days yet future for them, meaning it was not on Tuesday evening of that week. No, no. Rather, for the Judeans, their Passover commenced on what we would call Thursday, two days yet future to them. And this was the day of Yeshua's crucifixion, late that afternoon, at about three o'clock, Ben Harbaim, in between the evenings. If we can honestly remain open to looking at this timeline belonging to Yeshua's last week before his fifth day crucifixion, that is what we call Thursday, then the Passover chronology inconsistencies that we typically run into while reading the gospel narratives, they will melt away. Summarizing, 1. Yeshua celebrated his last Passover with his disciples on Aviv 14, that is, 14 days into the new year based on Exodus 12.6. 2. Aviv 14, or 14 days into the new year, is based on Exodus 12, 1 through 2. 3. According to the Tzadok High Priestly Sevens solar calendar, Aviv 14 is fixed to always fall on the third day of the week, Tuesday. 4. According to the scheduled formula of the Judean Pharisees, Aviv 14 floats and can only fall on specific days of the week in any given year. Five, in what we call year 27 of this common era, 
also referred to as CE, the Passover of the Sadok priestly sons of Aaron fell on a Tuesday evening on a V14. The Passover of the Judean Pharisees fell on a Thursday evening of Eve 14 slash 15. 6. In year 27 of Yeshua's time, there was a two-day difference between the Tzedok reckoning and the Judean Pharisaic reckoning, which explains the many inconsistencies in the timing of Yeshua's crucifixion gospel narratives. 7. Yeshua declared words against the fig tree on the 10th day of the month, according to Exodus 12, verse 3, which was Friday morning of Eve 10, according to Sadok calendar reckoning. And finally, 8. Yeshua's triumphal entry, as it's called, was not on the first day of the week, or what the Catholic tradition calls a Sunday, but rather on the fifth day of the week, a Thursday of Eve 9, that is, one week prior to his crucifixion according to Judean Pharisaic reckoning. And on our next episode, we'll pick up with events 7 through 11. So please join us then, okay? And once again, I recommend that you download any of the free resource materials addressing the chronology calendar of events that I'm calling Exhibits A and B. Go to cominghome.co.il forward slash general hyphen five. Just follow the prompts under free resources, okay? Have a great weekend. I'll see you, y'all willing, on the next program in this series. I'm Avi ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. (laughs) 